Welcome everyone to Black Coffee and Theology. Hello everyone, welcome back to the pod. And on today's episode, I have Reverend Lauren, and she is a preacher, a mom, and so many things. And I am so excited to have her on the pod today. And we get into so many topics on this particular pod, but we talk about the God of hope and really uncovering God and holding on to God in the midst of tragedy and coming out the other side and what that looks like and how it can be messy and who. What I have loved in this season two of the podcast is really talking about who is God to us now and the topic of deconstructing from the lens of those of us who are considered on the margins, um, those of us who are um, people of color. And who this episode you hear us laugh you I shed a few tears as we talk about what it means to hold on to hope in this present evil age and so y'all it's so good that I'm just releasing part parts one and part two of our conversation because it's good so sit back and relax and get into our conversation Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Season two, we're here. (laughs) Um, And on the pod today, I am excited. Again, as I said in the intro, we have Reverend Lauren, the esteemed, the wonderful Reverend Lauren. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited you're here too. And I'll just say... A bit, even though I did give you an intro before this, but I, listen, I truly, this is an honor for me because I met you in the Twitter streets and, uh, and immediately what struck me was how audacious you were, but audacious and sincere are the two words that I would give you. And that audaciousness was like, wow. Reverend Lauren does not play. And then there's this tagline that was like, throw up in theology. And I, I said, I got to follow. I got to follow, see what she talking about. And, um, and what I found was, and what I have since experienced you as, has been nothing but sincere, nothing but, um, yes, you are a preacher's preacher, Yes, you know your word, but you are so humble and able to receive correction, able to say, hey, my bad, I blew it. Let me just, let me walk it back. (laughs) Let me walk it back. But then the audaciousness, you are not afraid to go after things that are evil, things that don't align with um, treating people kindly, with uh, things that are unethical, 
all day you will rise up early to say no it's evil it's wrong no 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 and then the other thing that i would say is i have really been blessed by how um transparent what you are with your life and how you carry yourself your heart and it's just beautiful in a sea of people trying to perform uh that's not you <laughs> um so thank you for how you carry yourself online and all those different spaces uh truly thank you. I'm, I'm like blushing yeah. <laughs> with you saying that yeah yeah and then yeah, and then it's funny, I've always felt of you as a sister, and then you look similar to my older sister, so there's like that that overlap for me, um, so it's like, we siblings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have a little Twitter community. Yeah, exactly, so, <laughs> um, so for you, Reverend Lauren, what's important to you, how do you see yourself how you show up in in the world yeah give us a bit about yourself introduce yourself to the the community well um i guess i'll start what's important to me um what's important to me is for people to truly know who god is and for people to not be left outside of the gate or the, um, the arc of God's love. So that's very important to me um, because I am one who did not grow up in church. Um, I have very limited experience in church and knowing the Bible and all of that when I was younger and I was somebody that God had to draw in. Um, I was just doing my own thing, living my life uh and god came and drew me in and so that's very much a part of my story and because i know who i was and what all the things that i've done and even things that i still do like how i stumble and you know god's love for me i want other people to experience that same type of acceptance and love so that's really what's important to me so i do use social media to really you know be transparent and share my story and let people know that, hey, God is not who some of these people online are saying God is. So I do get very passionate when I see um, people make crazy statements that could cause harm and lead people astray. Um, so that's, that's what's important to me. <laughs> I love that, I love that, yeah. And, uh, I I have to illuminate part of this, uh, and I'm going to link it below. You appeared on our sister uh, Marielle's podcast, She Will Not Fall, and that was a wonderful interview. And so for more of your backstory, I'm, I want to point our listeners there because that was such a dynamic interview and there were, you got to preach in on that podcast <laughs> the preacher came out um <laughs> the, yeah it was like boom um <laughs> you was there but i talk about passionate um even before you were really walking living right you just give us a snippet of that militancy in college um 
that that so tickled me um, when I was listening. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of a militant arc to you before you were really walking squarely with the, with the Lord. Uh, well, I was very militant. Um, I still am. As a, I was very <laughs> militant as a young person, only because I saw a lot of the issues that racism and colorism had in my own personal family. And mm. so because I saw some of my family members struggling with being Black, struggling with their color, struggling with um, racism. I was always like, I am not going to be like that. My children are not going to be like that. I'm going to raise them to be black and proud. And so when I went into college, um, that was when I really started to search and ask questions about like, hey, what, you know, what was, what did we, what was our religion before we were brought to the United States, before Africans were brought to the United States? Like, what was our religion? What were our beliefs? What were our cultural practices? So I was really very much into that in college. And I took classes like the African slave trade. Um, I went to undergrad for at University of Maryland. So I wasn't at an HBCU or anything. And, you know, that had its issues. And um, <laughs> so I was just very militant, like black, black, all black. <laughs> I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah, I really was. You know, my I majored in African American lit, and um, I met some really great black professors at Maryland that just opened up my eyes to this whole new world that challenged me. Like, you know, like Lauren, why do you straighten your hair? Why do you, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? So they really started to challenge me. And so, as far as like religion goes. Um, I come from a very religious background, but that part of my family, I did not grow up in. Like my father's father was a AME pastor, but I did not grow with my father. So I didn't really know that side of my family. And there were other preachers on his side of the family, but that's not, I, w I didn't know them. And so um, I spent two years living with my dad that kind of like introduced me to the church. I was in the AME church my last two years of high school. But once I went to college, I was like, no, Christianity is the white man's religion. I don't want to hear none of that. Like uh, <laughs> people would come up to me on campus and try to like evangelize to me, proselytize. And I would just have whole arguments with them. Like get out of my face. Like, why are you trying to tell me this? Like, that's the white man's religion. Get out of my face. So <laughs> I was very much like that. And that's I how like, I was. So I was. Don't come at me with no Bible. <laughs> Trying to subjugate me, you know, oppress me. So I was very much <laughs> like that at Maryland. But um, the way that the Lord really drew me to him, like I got saved as a kid. But the only reason, and it was at like a white independent Baptist church. And, um, you know, when I would go to my aunt's house, they would just put us on a Sunday school bus and we would go to the church. They wouldn't even go to church with us. It was just something they did for the kids. They thought they were doing something good for us. So I, my aunt put me and my cousins on a, a Sunday school bus and we went to this white church, an independent Baptist church in Maryland. And that's how I got saved. And the way that they, um, they, they said it was, look, if you don't turn your life over to Jesus, you are going to hell. 
do you want to go to hell? <laughs> and so, of course, me being the anxious, anxious child that I was, I was like, oh, God, I don't want to go to hell. You know, because I was always like a really deep thinking child, like probably because I, I dealt with anxiety most of my life. But I would always think about like, what happens when you die? And, yeah. you know, all these existential questions. And so the, when they presented that to me at that church, like, look, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, you will go to hell. So I was like, look, I'm going to cover all my bases anyway. You know, I'm just going to accept the Lord just in case. I was like, let me just get saved, okay? It really did not mean anything to me at the time. I just did not want to burn in hell, like what they were telling me. So by the time I went to college, I was just like, you know what? I don't want to hear none of what you're talking about, okay? This is a white man's religion. Look at what all y'all have done in the name of religion, you know? So it was very hard for me to hear anything from them. Like the Lord literally had to come to me and reveal himself to me and let me know like hey this is <laughs> this is the lord this is yeshua jesus <laughs> and yeah. i love you and it's not what they're saying you know that's how that was my conversion experience like i totally denied christ totally rejected christ all through my college years and then like the lord just came and came to me i wasn't in church I didn't know any Bible or anything like that. It was just uh, the first thing that happened was I woke up. <laughs> I had a horrible dream. I was uh, living with my college boyfriend, and I just woke up one night, and I had this whole thing in my head. Watch ye therefore, for ye not know when the Son of Man cometh. Mm. I woke up with that in my head. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what is going on with me? I was so scared. I thought I was about to die. And then, um, uh, like maybe a year or so after that, I was still just doing my own thing. I wasn't in church. And then, like, I had, I was out clubbing. Like, I went through this phase where I just clubbed. Because when I was in college, I had a boyfriend. And he was my boyfriend all through college. And I didn't really have that wild college experience. So after we broke up, I, I just went party. And... Um, one night I had been out clubbing all night, just having a good time, like 20-something-year-olds do. And um, I came home, and I got up early because I told my mom I would go hear my brother sing in the church choir that morning at her church. And when I got up and got in the shower, just all these ideas kept coming into my head, like topics to write about for youth about God. And I was like, where is this coming from? and then the lord was like look i'm going to give you dynamic testimony yeah you know? so like the lord just spoke to me let me know the lord he was real and then i went to the church and the preacher there like she said everything that had happened to me in that shower that morning yeah. so that's when i went right up to the altar i knew god was talking to me and then i just never looked back i was 24 years old Let's go. I it's uh, dynamic testimonies. And a few months later, I was at Howard. I know, right? <laughs> like, I know, and um, y'all y'all have to catch the whole thing on Marielle's podcast. It's riveting to me. And talk about dynamic testimonies. And for those who know me in my salvation testimony, there is a lot of overlap. And so when I was listening to yours, I said, whoa, we really are siblings. <laughs> Although I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church, but the, the dynamic portions of it, I said, 
yo, we are meant to be family <laughs> because of, this is, I mean, talk about when God snatch you out, snatch, <laughs> like, <laughs> come here. Um, yes, dynamic. Uh, yeah, yes. And so for the topic that I, I, I picked for us is uh, hope in the God of hope and continuing the series I'm doing all through uh, season two uh, uh, about who is God to us now and how do we see God now? And I wanted to interview you anyway. And I thought about you in season one, but I was like, no, no, no. I just, I feel there's something strategic about season two. And then this kind of landed on me. And I want to say being in this pandemic and the framework of fear, anxiety, and grief is a reality for so many, right? And pain is the air that everyone is breathing and many are trying to work through and go through. And some are trying to act as if it's normal. Our government is trying to act as if it's normal. Uh, like the economy's booming, right? Um, but we know for the people of God that, um, the tension of hope and grief are here, whether they can name it or not. Some this time is triggering as they have all grief patterns and the rhythms of grief that are that are already active and are being reactivated by being in a whole wave of the globe being in grief and some are now reeling with the pandemic and losing loved ones and so i know that hope and grief are part of your story and so i wanted to open up a discussion and who is god to you in in hope and grief and i just want to open up that topic um so any initial thoughts in that well i am one of those people who have been really triggered by this pandemic um, mm. because my first husband died suddenly in 2013 mm. and um, it was just something that I did not expect <laughs> I did not expect that I would go through anything like that um, it just came out of the blue he was 28 years old um, when he was 18 he was hit by a drunk driver and he sustained a traumatic brain injury, but he had um, done the work, all the work to, you know, get through that when he was a teenager. And by the time that I met him in his mid-20s, because I was ignorant of, you know, what it means to have a traumatic brain injury and how issues could show up later in life, I thought that was like his testimony, something that was in the past. So when he started to get sick and have epileptic seizures, wow. um, it was a total shock to me. And then when he actually died in a seizure, it just totally caught me off guard. I was just like, what? And yeah. um, I had a two-year-old at the time. Um, I was pregnant with our second child when he died, seven months pregnant. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how could God do this to me? Yes. <laughs> You know, how could he do this to me? All I have been praying is for, you know, one of my prayers was because I didn't grow up with my dad, you know, 
um, I didn't really um, have a relationship with my father until I was like 14 years old. So my prayer was like, Lord, I just want my kids to know who their father is. And I want to have that family that I felt like I never had. And so when my husband just died like that, I was like, I felt betrayed by God. So I had, Mm -hmm. I had years to like work through that, you know, with God, with therapists, like work through my anger, work through my feelings of betrayal and the broken trust I felt like with God, because, you know, I'm not the type of person that trusts easily. Mm. (laughs) And that even, you know, that, that was an issue with my relationship with God. Like, how can I trust this all powerful being, you know, supposed to be so loving when I've had so many things happen in my life. And so, you know, after I worked through that, felt like I got my life back on some stable footing, then the pandemic happened. Child, please. (laughs) Please. I was just like, I said this before, but I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder. So this is something that I've had to work through my entire life. Um, And so after I had gotten to a place of balance, you know, after grieving the loss of my first husband, getting my baby stable and creating a, a new life for us. And now here's the pandemic. <laughs> okay. People getting sick, dying left and right. You know, we're literally like in a situation where you, you don't know who's, who's going to get sick and who's going to die. So it was like very triggering for me like wow lord you're really gonna put me in this situation again where i'm you know having to worry about am i gonna be here for my children are they gonna lose another parent like Mm -hmm. in this situation where you it's uncertain you don't know what's gonna happen from day to day and so and i even want to say something there i think that it has been hard to even sit with because this pandemic is still ongoing and I want to take a moment to even name that here in our conversation right as we you know we're talking about God who is God to us hope but this anxiety that you're naming is something that will resonate and is resonating with us so much right in the grief because you know you you're talking about entering into this pandemic relatively knowing who you are you know you know the rhythms of your own grief you know you're like i i've got my life back on track i've got this new family unit you know you you found love again and okay i at least know myself right you know years have come you've blossomed again and then here comes this tragedy that is global right it's not even something that you can say oh just turn off the news right <laughs> like go to an island or something you exactly can't go to country and escape is everywhere yes and i think that that is what is so hard about this is this is grief uh compounded right this is grief and anxiety compounded so i i hear that in what you're saying and mm-hmm. i can see how that 
will re-trigger someone who already had like you know like you and I are similar in that we both have our grief stories right and it takes everything to learn how to manage the rhythms of your own grief you know the the hard times of the year you know the things that are gonna you know tip you over the edge you know what you need in community and you're like okay I think I can do life Mm-hmm. okay so for this thing to come and then topple us <laughs> okay well there isn't enough self-care in the world <laughs> um there's not enough massages in the world to fix this <laughs> there's no essential there's oil not, there's not enough deep breathing exercises okay in that hour with the therapist every two weeks is not enough. Oh, please. (laughs) It's not enough. Jabez prayers can do this. Uh I mean, it's been very hard to not fall into despair. I mean, that's just real. It's been hard to hold on to that little bit of hope that you've been able to regain because I really had to work to regain some sense of expectation and hope for my life after my first husband died. Mm. Um, Because it really felt like it was the end, not only of his life, but for a lot of things for me, a lot of my hopes, my dreams, some of the aspirations that I had, it was like the death of that because I really could not see how I could make those things happen. One, I was a widow for six years by myself with two babies, Mm. um, one who's autistic. And so I just could not see how I could, you know, all of the vision that God had given me for my life, you know, some of the aspirations that God put in me, I really did not see how I would be able to accomplish any of that with all that I had on my plate by myself having to be present and minister to my children, you know, because I had a newborn, my husband died. And then two months later, I had a newborn and I had a two-year-old nonverbal autistic son. Wow. So um, it, it really took for like a long time for me to regain some sense of hope and expectation. Like, you know what, this is not the end, you know, God still has more for me. And then with, when COVID broke out, you know, I started a new job in 2020, January of 2020. (laughs) And, you know, it's working for a major denomination. And I really felt like things were lining up. Like when I I went into my office, I have my own little office, you know, and I'm like, ooh, I'm finally getting there. I'm making it. This is coming together. Then two months later, COVID. (laughs) And I'm like, geez, like, when is it? You know, it just knocked that little bit of hope out of you, you know, and now that the pandemic's been just like so long, it's 2022, like I was good 2020, but then 2021, that's when the despair started creeping back up, like that sense of hopelessness, like, wow, I was like, this is, they really have no answer to this, and it's just going and going and going, it's like, how long do we have to endure yeah. Uh, you know, but I was then I, I was like really challenged in my faith because I was like, you know what, Lord, like, you know, when you read the Bible stories, those people really had to endure, you yeah. know, 
I used to always jokingly be like, I, I'm so glad I wasn't around that time because Lord knows I would not be able to endure like no 40 years in the wilderness. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All, you know, like Babylonian captivity. Like I would have just given up. Like when my husband, my current husband and I, we watched these movies like uh, Escape Room. I always tell my husband, I'd be like, look, if I ever got into a situation like escape room, I'd be dead. Cause like, <laughs> it's no way I'm gonna sit there stressing myself, racking my brain, solving all these, puzzles. like I'm just gonna give up. Yeah, truly. <laughs> that, that's not me, don't call me. Like the I, energy, the energy to be doing all that. Like just kill me, okay? Like it's not worth all that. <laughs> I, no fight in me, just I acquiesce. Like, <laughs> Life is will beat you down to where it's like you really your fight is very minimal and I'm just like it took me everything to claw myself back from grief with my first husband and now the pandemic and it's like I've been having to you know go through that same process again like finding the hope you know keeping your hope alive don't let that flame go out you know keep your expectations you know, how, uh, thinking about, you know, instead of like a tragic end to your story, what could an alternative, you know, alternative ending be? Like, it's been work. Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.